sitting down, if you will, go ahead and take your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 2, Proverbs chapter 2 this morning. Isn't it a great day to be in the house of the Lord and to sing His praises? Had the privilege of preaching a couple of months ago, looked at the wise and the foolish builder, uh, and that just drove me even more into wanting to know what wisdom is all about. And as I was wanting to know more about wisdom, uh, the best place to go for that is the wisdom literature of the Bible. And so I got the, to, to looking and looking and looking and uh, came to, to Proverbs chapter 2, which I, I just think is a wonderful chapter of Scripture about wisdom, and wanted to dive into that this morning. As I turn the page on my 12th year of student ministry, uh, there seems to be a surge in parents who are uh, being intentional to, to take uh, their, their son or their daughter and to go on a trip, uh, to go and to, to take time, either a father and a son or a mother and a daughter, to, to just invest and have intentional, uh, intimate conversations with their teenager, with their high schooler, because they're trying to point them into what it looks like uh, to be an adult. And I'm greatly encouraged by this, this development, uh, you know, even if some of the trips may be to Baton Rouge or Starkville, we'll forgive them for that. But the intentionality is what's so important, of taking time to really have those important conversations about what it means to follow the Lord and to live for Him. And so this passage of Scripture, we get to sit down with... The wisest man to live, right? Solomon is the writer of this part of, of Proverbs, and he is speaking, and I love the first two words of this chapter as it says, my son. So we're getting into one of those intentional conversations. And, you know, when we think of Proverbs, we often think of Proverbs as just one or two sentences that just kind of makes a, a short statement, makes a point, and then goes on, right? Kind of choppy, a little bit here and there. But as you look and read through the whole book, you realize that Proverbs 1 through 9 really is this kind of conversation. This, it is a dialogue. It's a son, or it's a father talking to his son, laying out these important things that he wants his son to hang on to. And so this morning, I hope that it will be a challenge to, to parents to have those intentional conversations. But I also hope uh, that all of us learn from what Solomon has to teach us. And so if you will, stand with me in the reading of God's word, if you're physically able. We'll cover uh, the, the whole chapter today, but we're going to spend time right now reading verses 1 through 11. This is what it says. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding... Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of him. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. Guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity 
every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. And we'll finish with 12. Delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the wisdom of your word. We thank you for the the opportunity to, to learn what it means to fear you to know what it means to walk with you. And Lord, I just pray that our lives are changed uh, because of this time that we have here, that we have truly worshiped you with all of our heart. And so, Lord, help us to come humbly before you, longing for your truth. And it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As we look at this passage of Scripture, I think we can really find three truths that come through from what Solomon is trying to instill in his son that are really applicable to our lives today. And so that's what I want us to look at this morning. First thing that I think that we can learn is that we should never stop looking to grow in wisdom. Never stop looking to grow in wisdom. You see that right there in the first four verses. He says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, you see those verbs right there, as they continue to build on each other, he's pointing, look, you need to be searching for this. You need to be looking for this. You want to know what wisdom is all about. What is wisdom? You see, when we think that we have it all figured out, we're showing our own foolishness. There's always more for us to learn about God. There's always more that we can, more ways that we can grow in our walk with Him. And so we want to be looking for more ways of wisdom, calling out, praying for wisdom. I love uh, how in James chapter 1, it tells us that if you lack wisdom, then ask for it. And God gives generously to those. You see, I want to be a, a, you know, a, a Christian who's constantly growing in my understanding of wisdom. I want to be a husband who's constantly growing and being wiser with each day that's passing by. I want to be a father that's becoming more wise each day that goes by. I want to be a youth minister that every day is, wisdom is growing. A counselor, just a person in general of growing daily in wisdom, seeking that out, looking for it, trying to be better each day. I came across a study this week uh, from NPR where they were looking at trees, and they actually found something really, really interesting about trees. They studied 700,000 trees, so it's a pretty good sample size, right? 700,000 trees that they looked at. And they realized that they kept growing even as they got older. You see, they may have maxed out at height, but the way that they put it was the trees became like bodybuilders. They just kept filling out. Why? They became stronger. They became taking more carbon in and putting more oxygen out. They, they became better for the environment as they got older. You see, no matter what age we are, we can be like those trees to where we're continuing to grow in our wisdom where we're continuing to help those who are coming along beside us and behind us and pouring into them. He's given us this wisdom that we can be uh, 
growing in no matter what our age is. But God has given us this. And I also love how wisdom is always accessible. It's there. I told you that the the passage is Proverbs 1 through 9 as you continue to go through it. As you look at chapter 8 of Proverbs, you realize that wisdom is actually calling out to the people passing by. You see, God wants to instill his wisdom in us. He wants us to learn. He wants us to grow. He wants us to, and and this isn't just a a school-based knowledge. This isn't just a fact-based knowledge. But this is a closer walk with him. And we'll see that in just a little bit. But wisdom is making itself available to us. I checked out an interview with David Platt. And in his interview, and this is one of the youngest graduates of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, He has been a pastor of a couple of megachurches now, was the head of the IMB at one point. And he was asked, you know, what his prayer is for his life now. And his comment to, to that question was, my prayer is that I continue to grow in wisdom and in courage. Wisdom to know God's will encouraged to act on it. And I hope that that's our prayer today, that we continue to grow in wisdom and in courage so that we can act on what God has called us to do. But this whole chapter really hinges on the next verse. This whole chapter, we, we search for the first four. It's kind of a process there, a building up there. But it all comes to a head with this very next verse in verse 5. In verse 5, it says this. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You see, as you continue to look through the Bible and, and look for what wisdom is really all about... That phrase of the fear of the Lord comes up over and over and over again. In fact, as you look through Scripture, if you were to search, you would find fear of the Lord mentioned 27 times throughout Scripture. If you were to change the wording just a little bit and look for fear of God, that would be mentioned 23 times throughout Scripture. And that's not even talking about the times like Philippians where it tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Right? That's just the direct quotes of those two terms. You see, as we look for wisdom, we have to realize that it starts when we understand the fear of the Lord. And that's a phrase that that is tough to kind of wrap our mind around, but it's so important. Because it puts everything in perspective. And as we're looking at Solomon, and he's trying to instill this in his son we realize the importance of parents instilling that in our children. A former 18th century minister and also a hymn writer, a guy named Philip Doddridge, he says this, he says, there should be a peculiar caution that when we teach these infant tongues, when we teach our children to pronounce these great, that great and terrible name, the Lord our God, they may not learn to take it in vain, but may use it with a becoming solemnity. Remembering that we and they are but dust and ashes before him. You see, we want to have a view of God that is so big. We want to have a view of God that's an understanding of how great he is and how small we are. I think about Isaiah, right? You think about Isaiah chapter 6. If we were to look there and and, and see the, the incident that takes place there, 
The Lord fills up the temple. Isaiah comes in. He sees him. And, you know, the, the angels are there. They're saying, holy, 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 right? His response isn't, oh, look, cool angels. I've been wanting to see those today. No, his response is to fall on his knees and say, whoa, I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I'm among a people who are unclean. You see, when we realize the holiness of God, when we realize the power of God, then there is a natural fear that comes with that, right? There's a natural fear that comes with somebody that has authority over you. We'll use a hypothetical situation here. If you were to be at a stop sign, say a four-way stop, right? And there just so happens to be one of our fine law enforcement officers at one of the other uh, of the four-way stops, right? How many of y'all make sure that you stop just a little bit longer because you realize the authority that that person has, right? But nobody's ever braked when they pass the law enforcement officer, right? You see, when we realize the authority, when we realize the power that God has, we have an even greater awe and fear of who he is. I had the privilege of taking my dog out at 4.30 this morning to, to see, uh, you know, let, let her go to the bathroom. And uh, as I was out there, it was absolutely amazing to me to look up at the sky and even with the light pollution coming from the big city, you could still see stars. And as this passage was on my heart of thinking of the fear of the Lord and his power and his majesty, I couldn't help but think how far away those stars actually are. And I couldn't help but think how powerful of a light those stars are shining that we're able to see it right now. And I couldn't help but think that how powerful of a God it is that we serve who spoke in that vast creation of the universe came into being. You see, God has revealed so many things to us that show his power and show his holiness. And as we look at that, it should cause us to fear the Lord. But the fear of the Lord is not to drive you away from him. But instead, the fear of the Lord is to draw you to him. The fear of the Lord is to, to help you to want to worship him. Because as you think about the power of his creation, you think about the amazing holiness that he has. And then you take that a step further and you realize that because of his holiness, he sent Jesus. Because of his holiness, he realized that there was no way we could enter into his presence, but he wanted to make a way. From the very beginning, from Genesis chapter 3, when the first sin took place, God had a plan for his holiness and our righteousness. And so he sent Jesus to die the price, die for the, the cost that we couldn't pay. And so we can fear him, but that fear needs to drive us to love him even more because perfect love drives out fear. And so we know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. 
as we seek for it, we start to understand the fear of the Lord. I think the, the hymn writer of Amazing Grace really sums it up. And, and, you know, to think about the fear of the Lord, he says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. In grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. You see, grace allows us to fear the Lord because we see his holiness and we realize our need for a savior. Realize our need to know the only way to him. So first we saw that we never stop looking to grow in wisdom. Second, we see that wisdom starts when we understand the fear of the Lord. And the third thing is the Lord gives our wisdom for our righteousness and our protection. The Lord gives wisdom for our righteousness and our protection. If you look back at chapter 2, looking at verses 6 and following, it says this, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the ways of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you. And so you see as the as Solomon is talking there in Proverbs, he's laying out the positive attributes of God giving us wisdom. He's laying out the positive attributes there. He says um, that it's going to lead us to walk in righteousness, right? That we'll know right from wrong because of the wisdom that the Lord has given us. But he also points out a couple of other things. He points out justice there. As we seek to, to care for people who are suffering from injustice and equity. And so you see a, a concern for others that's taking place because of the wisdom that God has given. You know, one of the reasons why Solomon was so blessed when he prays and asks for wisdom in uh, 1 Kings chapter 3 is because God is seeing his heart is caring for the people that he serves as king. You see, wisdom is a gift to us so that we can pour out that wisdom to others. And like I said, the wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. So we get to share the wisdom of the gospel, even though it may seem like foolishness to those who are perishing. And so God has given us this great gift of wisdom. And he's given it for positive attributes. But he continues on. These are the verses that we haven't read yet, but as you follow through, it says this. Delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her past to the departed. None who go to her come back. 
nor do they regain the path of life. So you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the path of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out. You see, he started off with a positive of looking at the righteousness and the justice. But then he goes on to give two warnings. Warnings are the actual people. They're personifications, right? Just like wisdom is personified throughout Proverbs. A woman of folly is personified throughout Proverbs as well. But as you look here, he personifies two people. One, those who are evil. He lays that out right there. They walk uh, paths that are crooked. They're devious in their ways. As I was reading that passage, I couldn't help but think of Tom Sawyer, right? How devious he was in his ways as he's able to trick all of his friends into painting the fence for him, right? They didn't realize that they were being tricked into doing what he was supposed to be doing. But you see, as you surround yourself with people, we need wisdom to know what path they're walking down where they're leading, what they're trying to get us to do, and whether it's the will of God or not, right? We want to make sure that we are wise with those who are evil. But he gives a second person, warning him not to be deceived by the adulterous woman. And I think there's a slight change that's taken place from Solomon's time to our time. Because I think that in Solomon's time, as you continue to read, the, the adulterous woman comes back up again in the, in the nine chapters here. In Solomon's time, you'd have to walk by. You'd have to go out to see the adulterous woman. But see, in our time, based off of what Jesus said, that if you look at a woman with lust, then you commit adultery with her in your heart. You no longer have to go out into the streets to see the adulterous woman, but you see her on your phone, and on your laptop. And Solomon, in his wisdom to his son, is warning him about those sins. Warning them, warning about that destruction that brings to his life, that would come to his life as he follows the path of the evil man or the adulterous woman. You know, as we talk about pornography... And we have to because of the prevalence of it in our culture today. You see that it's happening everywhere. Study after study keeps coming up about infidelity through pornography. Some sources say uh, that the average age of a kid who comes across pornography is 11. Others say it's 8. Most of the time it's by accident, but yet it's still there. Leaving terrible images in their mind. Research has also shown that 32% of people aged 13 to 24 consider viewing pornography as wrong. Only 32%. Only 34% of parents say that they're using parental controls to help their teenager use their phone safely. One in three Americans seek out pornography at least once a month. Nearly nine out of ten male adolescents have admitted to watching pornography. 31% of female adolescents claim to watch it as well. 
48.4% of adolescent males in the study have viewed pornography at a minimum of one to two times a week. You see, that's why I say that the call of the adulterous woman is no longer down the street, but it's in our homes. And it should break our hearts. One of the leaders of um, adult videos says pornography has no demographic. And based off of that study, or those studies that I just quoted from, I have to agree with him. But you see, as Christians, we're called to higher standards. As Christians, we have the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. We have the teachings of Christ. We have the fear of the Lord that should cause us to live righteously for his glory. Because even the sins that we think are secret, God is right there with you. Every step of the way. He knows every action you take. He knows every word that you say. He knows every thought that you think. But he gives us the Holy Spirit that calls us to righteousness. You see, the call to wisdom is a call to the fear of the Lord. And it impacts every other part of our life. So I'll wrap it up with this. Normally we have one point. Uh, I have two today, so I hope that's okay Like the, for the point. One, specifically to parents. Parents, we have to be having these types of conversations in order to instill wisdom in our kids. We need to be having these conversations of what it means to fear the Lord, what it means to follow him, what that looks like on a daily basis, what it means to, to seek after wisdom, to look for that to grow, to be wise beyond their years. Bishop Rawls says this, he says, no interest should weigh with you so much as your children's eternal interest. No part of them should be so dear to you as that part which will never die. In every step you take about them, around them is what he means by that, in every plan and scheme and arrangement that concerns them, do not leave out the mighty question how will this affect their souls? Parenting is the hardest thing I've ever done. And I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old, and a one-year-old. So I can't imagine the uh, wisdom that some of you have ahead of me. Wouldn't trade parenting for anything, though. I love it. It's one of the greatest joys I have, too. But we have to realize that we're all truly foster parents. Every single one of us have been given our kids for just a little while. Just a, a temporary time. And then we launch them out. And so we have to have these conversations of what it means to follow the Lord and to fear him. So that we have adults who know the Lord and love him. So that's my application. But there's also application for all of us. And that's the Lord gives wisdom for our good and our protection. 
And it's our job to seek it out. Like I said back at the beginning, he gives wisdom to all who ask, and he gives it generously. So how do you need to respond today? Have you never actually understood the fear of the Lord to where you've asked him to be your Lord and Savior? You realize that he's holy today, and you need to respond by, by laying yourself down and asking Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe today you're a parent, and you need to come and just pray for your children to lift them up before the Lord, to, to pray for maybe their salvation, to pray for their purity, to pray for their wisdom. Uh, you know, it tells us even Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. So maybe today your response is praying for your kids, calling out to him, seeking wisdom in the way that you parent. Or maybe there's a sin that you need to commit, or not commit, that'd be opposite, Confess today. A sin that you need to lay down at the altar and not pick back up. Trusting that the Lord of all creation has already paid the price for that sin. And he now calls you to live righteously. However you need to respond, respond today.